Hi. I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. This is part three of the Israel Keys story. And all I've told you up till now, quick overview, he's a serial killer. We don't know why. <laughs> he killed um, an 18-year-old in Anchorage, Alaska, and he killed Bill and Lorraine Courier in Essex, Vermont. That's all we know. I'm going to tell you about their killings real quick. Do tell. Okay. <laughs> so, um, like I said, he chose them for their attached garage because he said, definitely can break into that house. Right. And lock your doors. And um, <laughs> side note, like, who doesn't lock their doors? I don't know. So many people. Yeah. I mean, like, I know lock a lot of people them. that lock their, that don't lock their doors or who leave their windows, windows open. open all the time. And I'm like, please, close everything. Yeah. Just, what are you doing? It's a door for a reason. Close, close it. it. Like it's meant to open and it's close. Meant to close. No victim blaming, but no. like honestly, close your freaking doors. <laughs> so, so he cut their phone lines and broke in through their garage, and he woke them up in the middle of the night, zip tied them, led them to their car, and drove them to a remote farmhouse. Like I said, he doesn't kill where he picks up his victims. Right. So he drove them to a remote farmhouse. He um, shot the husband because he doesn't really get any pleasure out of doing anything with the husband. And then he raped the wife and strangled her. So we see a little bit of a pattern with rape and strangle. Yeah, just the way in which he kills specifically women. But that's just the way he kills them. It doesn't, like, that could be a pattern, but he doesn't have any other types of patterns. No. And Lorraine, she, he actually said when the FBI was interviewing him, like, she was, like, really, like, feisty. Like, she tried to get away from me, like, multiple times. Like, he was almost talking about her in, like, a admirable sense. Like, oh, she almost got away, like, a couple times. Like, she got out of her zip ties. She, I mean, she was, like, fighting for her life. But Literally. the way he was talking about it was weird. Um, he called her feisty? I don't remember if it was that word exactly, but it was, like, I think that's what it was. It was, like, he was just talking about her in a really nonchalant way. Like, you know, I kind of liked her, like kind of like that. Gross. Ugh, it was really gross. So when investigators interviewed, um, yeah, feisty, feisty. <laughs> I put it in quotation marks. Um, oh, I don't like that. I know. So he, so when they interviewed him, they were like, where are their bodies? Prove it to us. And he said, I can't because I poured Drano on them and buried them in garbage bags. So their bodies are disintegrated. But good luck finding them. Like, I don't really care if you believe me or not. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, I mean, they pretty much believed him because he knew a couple of details about the crime scene in their home. Like, he had broken some glass. And so there's glass on the floor. Like, that was kind of a detail he you wouldn't have known if you right. hadn't been the one to do it. Uh-huh. Um, so their bodies were never found. But... um. They essentially are like, okay, we believe you. So we have Samantha, Lorraine, and Bill. He does not give the identities of any other victims, and no one knows why he chose those two to tell them about. Like, no one knows. Well, maybe, and this is complete speculation, maybe those were the only two that he used Drano on specifically, and so he knew that there wouldn't be enough 
physical evidence to find their bodies necessarily. But at the same time, he's already confessing to murder. So why hide it? I don't know. So, well, okay. Here's what he says. Okay. Here's a direct quote from him. I don't like reading this. It grosses me out. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He says, the things I've done, I don't feel bad about them. I did them for myself. It's better for me to keep them to myself. They're mine. Like his little trophies and he doesn't, like his little memories he doesn't want to share. How possessive and gross. I know. What a, oh my God. Narcissistic. Sorry. <laughs> I get one cuss word an episode. She does. You used it, so that's okay. all you get. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, also during the interview, he admitted to killing an unidentified couple in Washington sometime between July 2001 and 2005. He also said he committed two separate murders between 2005 and 2006, disposing of at least one of their bodies in Crescent Lake in Washington. Um, the FBI believes they know enough to link him to at least 11 homicides, but that they even say there's likely tons more. So like I said, he traveled to 35 different places via plane in America. So the FBI has a list of these locations on their website. Um, they have like a pretty comprehensive press release about this case because they're trying to find more victims. Like they're trying to solve this more because there's tons of people out there with missing family members who have no clue where their families are. And the FBI wants to, I mean, they have this serial killer who's killed tons of people. He's like right. saying, oh, I've killed tons of people. Good luck finding them. Um, but I don't really have any any you know, like faith that they ever will because no. not on them. I mean, they're awesome. But like he, we have no clue where he went after flying to these locations. And- I wouldn't put it past him to just fly to a location as a red herring. Like, no. And, you know, maybe I'm going to get caught one day. I'm going to be funny and fly to California and do absolutely nothing there because I want to mess with authorities and have them searching everywhere and using all their resources when I'm I'm going to do absolutely nothing here. Right. And I'm just going to throw them off the trail and spend a whole bunch of time there when they should be spending a whole bunch of time in Vermont or something. Yeah. But it's like that times 35. God. So, like, I don't. There's no way anyone's going to ever identify a victim. And there's a massive missing persons network. Oh, yeah. It's massive. So you cannot just pinpoint. And if he has no pattern. No. Why are you supposed to pick out his victims from all of the from all of those places that he's going to, especially since he's flying into one location and possibly driving somewhere else and then driving somewhere else to drop the body and then driving back? Yeah. And it also creeps me out knowing that he formerly lived on a reservation because the ways in which like murder of women on reservations are handled is absurd. And there's tons of missing Native women who nothing is being done about them. Nothing. So like we like no one cares. Not I there's care. not even enough out there to talk about them. Right. Like, <laughs> we can't even know we can't even fully if we wanted to do like a really comprehensive episode, we legitimately could not because no one cares enough to even cover these stories. So I wouldn't you know, he lived in Alaska where there's a lot of indigenous communities and he lived on a reservation. So that's that scares me. Yeah. So. We will never truly know the answers because of all that, but we'll absolutely never truly know because on December 2nd, 2012, 
Israel slit his wrists and strangled himself in the Cook Inlet pretrial facility, forcing uh-huh. DAs to drop all charges against him and denying all hope that investigators would someday be able to piece together a full story without like without Israel alive, he can't help them in any way. And they have zero, you know, reason to like wait like no leads. Nothing. So, and oh my God. Oh, his final like act of you will never figure this out. I know. And, oh my God. That's so annoying. So, once he died, the FBI broke their pinky promise and. <laughs> well, he's dead and he's a jerk. So, he's I don't dead, even So, care. they don't really care. And they released all this information um, that they were previously going to keep private, but they haven't released all of it. So I've basically told you most of what we know, but there's a full psychological assessment that will never be released in its entirety. All we know in regards to that is that he was determined, competent enough to withstand trial and had a high average on the intelligence spectrum. So clearly he's really smart. I mean, I wouldn't have needed an assessment to determine that. that. Exactly. And There's also some creepy excerpts from his interview that I definitely think you could make inferences about, but no official information um, regarding like a diagnosis or anything. But I definitely think you can look at his interrogation videos. And if you were a trained psychologist, potentially say he probably has this or probably has that. Um, But we'll never really know, which sucks. And it'll all be speculation and assumption at that point. Right. Because you don't have him there. To actually observe. And clearly something was wrong with him, but I think it, because there's always the nature versus nurture argument. And I think, I tend to think it's like a mixture. In this case, I think it was like mostly nature. I think that he was, I mean, for lack of a better word, like programmed wrong, like something was wrong with his brain. He had, he was literally hunting human beings like they were animals and having fun. And he's now having this fun little game where he's like, I'm going to tell you a couple things, but not very many. And then I'm going to kill myself. So you never know. And that's just all part of this necessity to be in control. And a lot of serial killers exhibit that like a lot of them will turn themselves in or a lot of them will do things that I personally think are so dumb that they wanted to be caught. Like I think Israel wanted to be caught when he did um, his last crime with Samantha Koenig. There's no way no way that he did all of those things without thinking in the back of his head, I'm going to get caught or I want to be caught. Right. It it was a complete disintegration of his original pattern, if you will, of killing people. Like it, it was the total opposite of what he usually did. I mean, clearly he'd never asked for ransom because we don't know about any of his other victims. So there no. wasn't any ransom things like he did with Samantha. He... He confronted her and kidnapped her in front of a camera so you can clearly see him. And that wasn't something he usually did. He killed in Alaska. In his hometown. In his hometown, (laughs) which he made such a huge point of venturing (laughs) outside. Oh, you're okay. How dare you cough while I'm explaining (laughs) this? How dare you? Oh, my whole, I'm thrown off. (laughs) I have to leave. No, just kidding. But he, he did take extreme um, measures to make sure that he couldn't be traced. Mm-hmm. And he obviously was going to do more 
obviously of these killings because he had buried or as he, he's just, yeah. as he said he he had more of them and so i think your argument that maybe he just was like exhausted and was so tired of it and was like you know what i'm done i just want to be caught yeah i think that's an i think that could possibly be what went through his mind but in another um another side of that is why did he want to be caught like he could have gone home and nobody would have known about any of it and i think that's also something interesting about the way serial killers work and the narcissism that goes along they want with that. credit for yeah. what they do. Yeah. We see that. I can't think of one serial killer case that that's not at play because, I mean, serial killers are narcissistic. They believe that their lives are more important. They believe that they can kill whoever they want, whenever, however they want, whenever they want, and that right. it's no big deal. Like, that's what they think. And with this case, I think that he's just really, really smart and was like, I'm going to be a serial killer and I'm never going to get caught because I'm smart enough not to get caught. And then, I mean, at some point that's got to be like take a toll on you. You're like traveling all around the country. You're taking people's lives and as much as he clearly disregards life. I mean, after like a bunch of that, I'm I'm sure that gets exhausting. And there was no way he was just going to get caught because he's too smart. Yeah. So he had to do a really dumb crime and, you, you know, like, might as well go out with, like, a... A bang, a bang. I don't will. know. Yeah. So... God. Because, like, there's no other explanation for why he was so messy with that crime. Yeah, because he so wasn't before. He was, like, the exact opposite. And so, hmm. yeah. So I think that's what his reasoning was. And I think that he thought it would be fun to be caught and to, like, play, like, a game with the FBI and toy around with them. Yeah, because so, he knew he would have complete control, like I yeah. said before, of the situation. And he's, like, done. He's not going to go home and live a normal life. He's not no. a normal person. Mm-mm. You can't... He's not going to get any satisfaction out of just living in his house, like, his two-story white house with his family. Like, that's not going to be a satisfying life for him. He's different. Like, his brain is different. Yeah. And I, I just wonder if there was a moment where... Something happened in his life that just made him think, I'm done with this. Maybe. You know, like there was a triggering moment. There may not have well, been. He may just have been like, whatever, I'm over it. His okay, So it's it's shocking to me when people with daughters rape. Like that confuses me. So maybe. As it should. I mean, I think rape confuses me in all aspects of it. But when, you have, when you have a child that's a girl. So, I mean, at this point, his daughter's older so maybe that was the thing maybe he was like i'm done like now that i see my daughter is like a woman i don't want to well she's not older but she's like probably like a like 13 or something like that mm-hmm. maybe that was it i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know but um because like i just he didn't finish he mm-hmm. said he didn't finish he said he had more things out there yeah he said direct quote i only left that stuff there because i was planning on using it eventually yeah. I don't like to litter. <laughs> so, you, you know. Yeah, I don't like m- to litter. You, you. <laughs> gotta make sure people know you're environmentally conscious. How can he be? He buried bodies in plastic bags with Drano inside that of them. That is not that sustainable. That is not sustainable. All of those things <laughs> are not sustainable. Drano and plastic Oh, and the fact that you murdered a living being. All not sustainable. But he didn't murder the environment. The, and that's what counts. <laughs> Except for when he buried Drano and plastic oh, in man. the ground. But he only did that twice that we know of. So I feel like if I would say that to his face, he would get so mad at me. <laughs> but I cannot you say can't. that. He's dead. Ah, bummer. I wish I could. But 
if you ever have any, if anyone listening has any tips for the FBI regarding this case, if you look at their list of locations and know of a missing person who was in a remotely close location around that time, again, don't know how helpful that list is, but you can call 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's easy to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So... That's the incredibly unsatisfying ending to the story of Israel Keys. The bodies could literally be anywhere, and we will never know. So, sorry to leave you on a weird note, but at least he can't kill anyone else ever again. True. So, that's He's it. No longer Lock your doors. Don't talk to strangers. And run. And run. And. <laughs> oh, and. Um, um. <laughs> eat your vegetables <laughs> don't litter <laughs> thanks for listening to killer vibes next episode we'll have our last episode of the season we don't know what it is yet because it'll be a surprise <laughs> Woo-hoo.